Turn over to 1 Samuel 1. That's where we'll be, 1 Samuel 1. 1 Samuel 1. We're going to look at Hannah and her immense faith as a mother. 1 Samuel 1. I also want to wish all the moms out there a happy Mother's Day. Since moms are on our mind and it's Mother's Day, I wanted to look at a good mom and the great love she had for her son. Being a mom is so beautiful and biblical. It's a great blessing. The world is so much better with moms and their caring love for their family. In 1 Samuel, I think Hannah is a great example of that. Is she not? The love that she has for, you know, her family, her son, is a great example for all of us. Men, women, children, to just love each other. And as we read this story, I love how cohesive that this story is. It starts off real simple, like a movie, right? Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. And this simple flow as we read this story, I think, makes it easy and entertaining for us to view how this is going to play out and what's happening. And at the same time, we're able to see, understand, and feel how Hannah is dealing with the situation that she's in. Life is rarely easy for moms. I know that because I've seen it in my mom, and I see it in my wife now. The, everything that they have to go through, the trials that they have to go through to be a good mom, it takes effort. And that's like with anything in life, is it not? To be good takes effort. Be bad takes effort. What doesn't take effort? Being nothing. Nothing takes effort. No one wants to be nothing. But looking at verses 5 through 14, I think we get an idea of the problem that Hannah is in. Not only is she having trouble you know, becoming pregnant, but she has a, she's under a lot of stress from her husband's other wife who continues to taunt her in verse 6. I want to read verses 5 through 14. 5 through 14. Read along with me. I encourage you to read along with me. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord. She used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting in the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow, saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. When I read these, especially verses 5 through 8, we get a sense of this, this turning, right? This first turning to God in weakness and in trouble, and then turning to God when you know, others may not understand us, and it makes it hard on us. All the characters mentioned in this passage don't understand where Hannah's coming from and how she's feeling. Her husband doesn't understand how she's feeling, right? 
She, he just doesn't understand. The other wife doesn't understand because she continues to provoke her and irritate her. Even Eli misunderstands her and just thinks that she's a drunk. I like what Elkanah says in verse 8, Am I not more to you than ten sons? Which is, which is kind of odd because basically he's like, Look, you know, don't be upset. After all, you have me, right? But that's, <laughs> that's not enough. <laughs> and I, when I read this passage, you know, I don't know about you, but I get a sense that Hannah is alone in her pain, right? She's all alone. But a husband shouldn't take the place of a child, even though sometimes they try. And they shouldn't. As spouses, as spouses, we get it wrong, right? But God never does. He is always present. And he loves us perfectly in our grief. And as women do, she also wants a child, and not just a child, but she wants a child to the Lord. What I like about Hannah is her devotion, which is a main quality that we see throughout this chapter, right? The moment that, think about it, the moment we have a problem, where do we go? Think about that. Where do you go? We see Hannah, she goes right to the source. She goes right to God. Other women might find, you know, some sort of solution elsewhere for their problems. But Hannah knows God's character. She's a woman of faith, and she goes to God, who's going to help her. Read with me verses 10 through 12. 10 through 12. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly, and she vowed a vow, saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. I know we just read that, but I want to I wanna look at this deeply. Her devotion to God first lies, her devotion first lies to God, right? First lies with God. And it says that she was deeply distressed. Look at that. And what did she do? She went and she prayed to God. Her devotion to God, I think, gave her confidence that God's going to help her through this. And even though she's not a mother at this moment, I think so far she has a great foundation for being a good mother. She has all the qualities there, and that's comforting to see. Look at verse 11 for, for a second there. She makes a vow saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. What do promises mean to us today? What do they mean to us today? How many of us actually take the promises and vows that we say to each other and to God seriously. Think about that. When I think about this, I think about my, my wedding vows and how important they are, right? We've, we vowed to stay together no matter what, in sickness and in health. So it doesn't matter what's going on, we're going to stay together, right? It doesn't matter. But what causes someone to say a promise and actually see it through? Their devotion, right? Their devotion is what's going to see that through. And if we're going to be making promises, then we need to have a great devotion to God first. And among the greatest promises I think parents can make in life, even married couples before they have children, is devoting their children to God. Because children are given by God, right? And then they are meant to be given to God. 1 Samuel 12, 1 Samuel 12, 24. Turn over there. 1 Samuel 12, 24. Keep your finger in 1 Samuel 1 because that's going to be our main passage. 
It says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. You know, it may not be easy to take our vows seriously, right? But you know who does take them seriously? God. He's going to take all the vows and all the promises that we've declared into consideration. And when it comes down to it, I think the strength of our word is only backed by our devotion. Devotion doesn't end at our vows, though. Let's continue and look at verse 11. Continue looking at verse 11, because this verse kind of baffled me. When I read it, I just asked the question, you know, why does, why does she want something so bad only to then just give it away, right? Is that what a good mother does? But then I got to thinking, right, about her devotion. And it is true that she is giving him to God. However, in addition, she's giving up a lot of her time to raising her that I bet she wished she would have. And when I think about her devotion, her devotion showed exactly how much she cared, right? She cared about God, and she was devoted to God. In the same way that she cared for her husband, and she was devoted to her husband. And even though she is childless in this moment, her her devotion to her unborn child showed to me exactly how much she cared for something she didn't have. And to me, that's pretty remarkable. How many of us actually care for something we we don't have. I don't know about you, but when I think about, you know, things that I don't have, I have a hard time thinking beyond what I don't have, right? If it's not affecting me right now, if it's not making me happy right now, if it's not causing me problems right now, why, why do I care, right? What's the point? But Hannah is deeply devoted to God and all the blessings that he's given her. And as a wise woman, she knows that in this case, God's blessings are best served in his house, She wants the best for Samuel, the absolute best life, right? This is what every mom and dad who spend the time teaching their children to, you know, know, love, and serve God. Devotion doesn't mean that uh, she just wants, you know, great things to happen to him, or she just wants him to have the best things or the best opportunities. Instead, she wants him to be the best possible person that he can be, and that's being a servant of God. And that's, I think, what a good God-fearing mother wants for her children. I believe that we have a better chance at being faithful to God if we also have a faithful mom. And I can see that in my own life with my own mom. As Act 1 comes to a close and Act 2 opens up, right? Hannah has given this prayer, and she runs into Eli. Notice what she says. Look at our text. Look at our text. Read with me verses 15 through 16. 15 through 16. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for as long as I have been speaking out of my for long as I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. We start to see things unfold, right? Action comes into play. And what I notice is her dedication then leads to her devotion or devotion, then leads to her dedication. Devotion is always followed by dedication, and what you are dedicated to, you're also devoted to, and vice versa. Everything that Hannah is devoted to, her family, her God, her son, she's also dedicated to. And God is a great example to all of us for this. I think he's a great example of this dedication. The very fact that we are alive right now shows just how devoted and dedicated a he is 
God is to all of humanity. And, and really wanting a relationship with us, I think that's remarkable. Look at verse 20. Verse 20. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked him, I've asked for him from the Lord. So God, he follows through with Hannah's promise that he gives, that he gives and he gives her Samuel. Let's continue reading verses 21 through 23. 21 through 23. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Before I continue, let me just make a side note to all you men out there. Notice what he says. Do what seems best to you. Now you can tell from this text that there's actual communication between him and his wife. Not only that, he trusts her to make the right decision. So, when your wife says, I want to redo the bedroom, or I want to rearrange the, the living room, or more importantly, I want to do this because it's important for our family, because I think it would be important for us. Sometimes we just got to take a step back and be like, hey, do what seems best, right? But in the end, guys, our wives, our mothers, deserve our trust, right? Let's continue. Read verse 23. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. When I read this text, I see two acts of dedication that a good mom does. The first thing she does is she prepares. And in this instance, Hannah is preparing to give her son to the Lord. Now, we may not be in the same, or you may not be in the same predicament as she is, where she has to literally give her son to God in the way that she's doing it. This is obviously a very different situation than most of us fall into. But the way I see it, a good mom prepares her family for optimal success and her children. But the outcome is still the same, right? What we all need are moms showing love, nurturing, and introducing God. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for her relatives, for the, his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I know not every child is as easy to prepare as other children. That's why parenthood is a, it's a full-time job, I know. I can only imagine how hard it was for Hannah to do the same thing, especially in her position. Look at the end of verse 23 of 1 Samuel 1. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. That time period between a mother and a child is a time of great bonding and, and strength together, right? Of connecting. The child's life literally depends on the mother. And I can only imagine how hard it was for her to give up her child after knowing him only a year or more. That must have been really hard. I'm sure many mothers are blessed enough to have the opportunity to, you know, prepare and instruct their children throughout most of their lifetime. And if so, that's a great blessing and a great, you know, privilege. But a good mother is not determined by how long she has her children. A good mom instead is based on how she is dedicated to God's blessing. And the second thing I see is a good mother do, a good dedicated mother, is her ability to follow through. Read with me verses 26 through 28. 26 through 28. And she said, 
O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. The only way we're going to actually follow through, whether that's being a good father or a good mother, is under God's direction. Look at verse 28. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. That's the same verse we started off with, right? And in this case, you know, Hannah is following through with her promise to God, right? And she does it under God's direction. This chapter alone, you know, she's trying to find out God's, you know, answers. And she does it several times. Hannah is praying and worshiping in verses 3, 6, 10, 12, 15, 19, and 27. That's a lot of times. You know, how can a parent be dedicated to their children's spiritual well-being if they're not first dedicated to God in prayer? And that is clearly what Hannah is doing, right? I mean, this is an encouragement to even me on relatively small tasks like following through and finishing this sermon or that book that needs to be done or that, that chores that need to be done. God's direction should lead us to complete any part of our life, no matter who we are. And our children deserve from our parents the willingness to follow through and instruct them in the fear of God. I know that many of you good mothers are doing that, and I can see that. But if we read this text and we don't see what Hannah is, is doing, and we can't see the character of Hannah, I think chapter 2 explains it and is, really speaks for itself. And I want to close with this chapter this morning because I think this is a beautiful prayer, and it speaks, for, it speaks for itself. Read with me verses 1 through 10. My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the... For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind in strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but those who have many children are forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Shiloh and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust, and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit the seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven." The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. I mean, these, it's a great prayer. And these are powerful words from a mom who only got to know her son consistently for a short period of time. But as Act 2 closes, right, and we come into Act 3, I think this is a great way to end it. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. It's a great way to end the story. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed in the linen of Fod, and his mother used to make him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. 
Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give your children, may the Lord give your children by this woman for the petition that she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. And indeed the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the young man Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Hannah's devotion and dedication as a mother shows just how much a mother's love really warms our hearts, right? And I can't stress enough how important moms are to all of humanity. They are the perfect example of God's love. In the same way that we want to draw close to our moms, we should also want to draw close to God. Because in the end, it's all about Him, is it not? Just as moms bring life, God started life. Just as moms love, God has always loved. Just as moms instruct, God directs. Just as moms comfort, God's words bring peace. And just as moms pick us up, God saved us. And so if this morning you're wanting everything that God has offered in this life and more, you can have it now by coming forward and being baptized. Remember, Hannah made the tough decision and gave her son to the Lord. God also gave his son to die for the forgiveness of our sins. So if you realize the call to be baptized for the repentance of your sins, please come forward while we stand and we sing.